Hello and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I'm delighted to have joining us today, Luke Rose with Proper Produce. A little bit of background, I actually first became aware of Luke's merchandising skills when I saw one of his displays. It was a sweet corn display entered in the Produce Artist Award series that I started at PMG. And then I saw his name pop up again more recently in a discussion on the Produce Pros Facebook page. He had offered some great commentary and advice to a person new to the industry. And Luke, it, it, always, it always makes me smile to see folks who not only, you know, are going above and beyond to carve out a career for themselves in produce, but helping others to do the same. So thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And um yeah, to, to go off of what you just said, um, I feel like I'm at that point in my career now where I hate to say I've, I've learned everything I, that I can, but like the basics, you know, I've, I've gone through years of the basics now. So that's what I love doing now is helping people that are on their first year, their second year of produce, um, just working out those first kinks and getting familiar with produce and yeah just like where do I start where do I start focusing on like that's that's what I love doing now because you know I I try to learn as much as I can about more specific varieties of things or new merchandising techniques but you can never forget about the basics so I yeah I, I have loved uh, being a part of that page now produce pros and reading comments and commenting on them every once in a while that's awesome. And Luke, give us a bit of uh, background. How did you come into produce originally and, and what's your career kind of look like to this point? So sort of a long story, but I'll make it as short as possible. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Um, hey, this is a podcast. You go as long as you want. That's true. <laughs> uh, so I, I've always worked in grocery stores outside of a couple odd jobs, uh, like a did lawn care at one point, snow removal. Um, I was a package delivery driver, but the rest of my working career has all been produce, or I'm sorry, grocery. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but I started in the front end. I was just a bagger. Um, are you familiar with Publix supermarkets? Oh yes. <laughs> in Florida, yeah. So you know, down there, they're they're the king, and they have extremely high standards. Um, and their customer service is like their big thing. So I'm really fortunate that that was my starting, uh, place of work. Cause they were just huge on drilling customer service into your brand. You know, for them, the saying customers always right was like very, very embedded in everyone's thought. And I mean, unless someone was being like, outright belligerent or something like they would do everything they could to please everyone and you know when you're young you see that as annoying but now that I've grown older I've seen the wisdom in that and how you know that's all about getting customers a return because the experience and everything so that was my start um, I ended up moving from Florida to Oregon I worked at a place called Market of Choice for a while. They were like a regional chain out there. Um, and I ended up at a co-op. And there I was just in the grocery department. 
um, but they had a super small staff with, so everyone was sort of cross-trained. And one of the areas I eventually got cross-trained was produce. And right towards the end of working there, I had worked a few nights over there. Um, and I don't know, I just kind of started to realize how much I like produce then. And, you know, it's a lot different than just stocking cans all day. Um, that gets so, so boring after a while. <laughs> uh, so, and like, I've always been around produce. Um, you know, my mom would always take me and my sister to the supermarket and point things out to us. And, you know, she'd have us always try the samples, whatever they had out. And I don't know, she just always tried to keep us familiar with produce. We always ate our, our fruits and veggies as kids. Um, she always had this thing that I'll never forget. Uh, they had the one bite rule. My parents did. And if you didn't like it after a bite, you didn't have to eat it. But everything we had to have at least a bite of it. So I'm really glad they did that because they got me to try a lot of stuff that I was like, oh, that's weird. Like okra, you know, it looks alien and <laughs> you know, zucchini and whatever else and uh, fruits, you know, I tried just about every kind of fruit as a kid. So uh, she'd take us berry picking and stuff like that as kids, apple picking oh. in the fall. Just always grew up around produce, but, you know, never thought about working in a produce department until I worked at that co-op and that was kind of the start of it. And then when I moved to Wisconsin, um, like five or six years ago now, I applied to Fresh Time. It was like one of the first places I saw that was hiring. And that store, it was about to open. It was a newer store and they had already filled all their grocery positions. I applied to it just because that's what I was used to. But the store director was like, I have a full-time position in produce though. Would you be interested in that? And I was like, well, you know, I have kind of done produce a little bit why not and uh and that was the start of it so i worked there for a little while um i was mostly their wet rack guy and then in like the later part of my shift i'd help you know rebuild a few displays but it was mostly all the wet rack and then i worked for another co-op that's in the milwaukee area um it's called outpost natural foods i don't know if you've ever heard of them that one I don't think I have actually. They only have four locations. They're literally just in Milwaukee. Oh, okay, um, okay. But they're really similar to the other one I had worked at. Um, and I got a job there as the assistant produce manager. And that was what really made it all sink in for me because my produce manager He's honestly the guy that I credit a lot of my success to, to this day. Um, his name is uh, Keith Zesnanski. Keith, if you're listening, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, he still works there, I'm pretty sure. Um, but he actually used to be the category manager in produce for Kohl's Foods back in the day, back when they actually had grocery stores. Okay. And so he, he had started, you know, working there as a young kid, worked his way up to a produce manager. They kept expanding and he was the category manager during like their big boom. And 
think I said they were really popular in like the eighties. Um, and so he, you know, any new manager they would get, he would go in and he would train them, uh, any new store they would open, he'd go in get it set up. And he would tell me stories about the departments he would run, how they'd have to keep like a trailer just for bananas. They'd have a guy working bananas all day. Wow. And just like the insane volume that they would do at these stores. So that was his background. And now he's, you know, he was working in like a tiny little department where they were, you know, lucky to hit 40,000 on a weekend. And, um, but he still had that, that passion and that drive that was from that volume and from that level of business. And he didn't care how piddly his little department was. He's like, I'm going to make it the best it can be. I, you know, I don't care how little I'm selling. So just his whole mentality, you know, he wanted everything to be the best. He was super critical of everything. He, he pushed everyone like sometimes maybe a little too hard, (laughs) but he, he did mean well and I balanced him out. Well, I, you know, I got him to tone down a little bit. But he he just wanted everyone to be their best. And he wanted us all to pay attention to everything. He was a huge stickler for cleaning and paying attention to signage, knowing where everything was coming from. Like, he just wanted us all to be as invested as he was. And I had never seen someone be that invested in their job before. And, like, definitely not at a grocery store. I was like who is this guy? Like, we're just a produce department, man. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Cause that, that was, you know, kind of the mentality I was used to before was, you know, everyone was doing their job, but like he ran it like it was his own business. So he taught me that, that mentality, like no matter what you're doing it, treat it like it's your own business. And I have, I've kept that in the back of my mind ever since. Um, so then after I left there, stuff, and I just always kind of wanted to get back into a produce department, you know, it was just always kind of calling my name, but I didn't want to get back into a store and be, you know, just a department manager. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but It just wasn't quite for me, you know, just having limitations of one store. And I didn't even know exactly what it was I was looking for. I knew I loved produce. I knew I loved building displays. Um, And then that's when I saw a job posting for Proffer Produce, uh, where I still work. And that was almost four years ago now. Um, And so I started as just a regular merchandiser for them. And my boss at the time, he had a a need for another supervisor because it was literally just him um, running the program for all 19 Woodman's food markets. Oh, okay. And yeah, that's a lot for one person. That's a lot. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we're just one of many different companies within Woodman's and within Woodman's Produce, but you know, it was still a lot for him. So he was just kind of waiting for the right person to come along um, to be his supervisor with them. Um, so after six months, you know, he asked me, would you be interested in this? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. So he started having me 
travel more. They opened up a new store. He had me, you know, be a part of that opening. Um, and yeah, I, you know, he eventually like toured me around all those stores. I started out just in the Milwaukee area. There's four stores close to Milwaukee. So that was my territory for a while, but he, you know, it kept expanding my horizons until, you know, it was me and him doing all 19. Um, and yeah, so that's where I'm at now. Um, you know, just continuing to try and better our program, you know, better our people where business has been great. Um, even since the impact of COVID because, because of the way Woodman's works, honestly, they're an open market system. So a company like ours fits really well into that. Yeah. That is, that's quite the the path. So I want to go back for a second yeah. to Publix because I, I <clears> thought that was so interesting that you mentioned even that very earliest experience was so formative because they put such a huge emphasis on customer service. It sounds like, what did that look like? How do you remember that kind of showing up in, in the training and, and, and examples of kind of how, what that looked like in real life, so to speak? Sure. So they, they had a lot of, you know, just your, your regular training videos. Um, and that, you know, just went over all their basic policies and stuff. But I remember something that always, they always circled back to in those videos was one of their main models, which I think it was like providing premier customer service. And they had that at their customer service desk, like a huge banner. They had like all of their return policies and stuff printed off behind them. Like you see at most grocery stores. Um, but that was above everything providing premier customer service. And you would see that all over the store. Um, so that was that was like their above all else thing and it was it was just the way that you approached every situation with the customer um you know they they had me trained by a, a few different people and you know as i moved to a cashier customer service desk obviously different people but the main thing that each one of those people reminded me was like, don't forget to provide premier customer service. Like that is number one. If someone doesn't get that from an employee here, like you're going to hear about it. <laughs> and at first it, it, I was like, is this like a scare tactic or what? But then I realized like the reason why the manager stressed it so hard was it made it a better environment for everyone you know for the customers in the store for the people working there um just all around when everyone in a store is friendly and helpful and trying to do everything they can you know within reason of course for customers that goes such a long way for just providing a good environment for people and it really showed and that's why people always came back to Publix they just wanted us to think about, okay, obviously do your job, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, make sure that's a priority, but how can, how can you elevate a customer's experience? How can you be extra friendly to them? Um, 
they would want us to offer carry out service to every person as a bagger. And even as a cashier, like if you didn't, if you happen to not have a bagger to be like, can I get a bagger for you to help you out to your car? Um, and the way you're supposed to ask as a bagger was specific. They would say, um, which way to your car will help you out or something to that effect. And it was almost like you didn't give them an option. You're like, I'm going to help you out and it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, some, some people will be like, no, that's okay. And they would almost want you to insist, be like, are you sure it's not a problem? And then I'd say about 50% of the time when you insisted, someone would be like, yeah, okay, why not? And then it'd be like, ah, oh, probably gives you a little break anyways. And then, you know, play and do it. Be like, oh yeah, you know, it's like, I needed a break. So nice, take a little stroll. And then, you know, you'd get to chat it up with them. And they had enough baggers to where they could basically constantly rotate people in and out of the lanes. And sometimes they would have twice as many baggers as they actually had lanes open, but it was so they could keep all the, sh the shopping carts inside. They could always have people doing carryouts, especially at my store, there was a lot of older people. So a lot of them did accept the help. Um, so I guess it was all about like, seeing people's needs before they even asked for it mm. you know like not even realizing that they wanted help uh when you'd go to the bakery counter they had a thing where they'd offer every kid a cookie you know obviously that's making parents super happy because now their kids got a snack you know <laughs> they're not throwing a fit and everything they're preoccupied by a cookie by the time you get to the deli you know whenever you would get uh cold cuts and stuff they would offer them uh, a slice of ham too to the kids you know or whatever their parents were getting so you know it was all those little things throughout the store that was all about seeing the need before it was even asked mm -hmm. um and you can imagine what kind of shopping experience that would create oh yeah well and it sounds like i i think it's, it's <clears throat> great that you remembered even the uh, the particular phrasing of of the question about helping take the groceries out to the car because when it's phrased that way, it sounds like that's, that's the default. You know, you're, it, if you say yes, you're not asking them to go out of their way, you know, you're just accepting, yeah. oh, like, this is a normal thing that we, we do all the time. Exactly. You know, it was just like, no, like, that's part of my job. Like, you're not burdening me by accepting my help. Like, you're not like, do you want help out to your car? Like, you really <laughs> you know <laughs> like you you're just telling them like no like this is this is my job like that's what I'm here for you know we're here to make your experience from the second you walk into the door from all the way out to your car as as easy as possible because who really likes going to the grocery store <laughs> I mean let's be honest I don't like grocery shopping especially <laughs> at the end of the day like I'm in a grocery store all day it's the last thing I want to do, but having a store where everyone is friendly and helpful and, you know, just a nice, well-staffed environment goes such a long way for where you actually want to go shopping. Absolutely. Well, and then I wanted to revisit too. You mentioned, um, you mentioned Keith, who was, was a mentor for you yeah, and that he was really the first person that you had seen, um, 
really kind of like you said, take ownership of that job and that department. And, and it sounds like much more, more of a career than, than a job. Is, is that one of the things that got you hooked on, on produce in particular, or was it kind of the combination of those two things where you're looking at all the things that go into produce and like, Oh, this is something I can really sink my teeth into and, and, you know, invest in, in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. So he, I guess he, he got me to see it as sort of like a trade. And I know a lot of produce people see it that way too. You know, we're, we're as much tradesmen as we are clerks, you know, there's so much knowledge that goes into produce. Um, You know, you learn about all these recipes, uh, how to cut things, how to pick out ripe fruit, um, how you can display things. Uh, You know, you can't stack up on the vine tomatoes the same way you can beefsteaks or romas. Um, And, you know, just all those little things that, again, going back to coming to produce from grocery, like, it's way more intricate than just stocking cans. Like anyone can do that, you know, not to knock grocery clerks because that is some repetitive work and I praise anyone that can do that. But there's just so much more variety in produce. And I guess that's what really drew me. Um, And I just found myself thinking like, huh, every day is a little different. And every day I've learned something and every day is interesting. You know, I get to, to talk to people about what their favorite fruits are. I'm, I'm seeing all of these different fruits that I've never seen before, you know, all these citrus varieties I've never seen. Um, learning about how things are imported, um, the global food system, you know, seasonality of things, things that I never thought of before. Um, that definitely interested me. And then just the way that he approached it as like, a career mentality it's like yeah I guess like it really could be and up to that point I I had like different career ideas in the back of my head I had wanted to be a barber at one point um and another point I wanted to be an engineer architect and I just never really pulled the trigger on any of those things um because there would always be something that would dissuade me from that like I realized I didn't really want to be an engineer and architect because of all the math involved and I'm great at math hate doing it (laughs) (laughs) so just you know that's such a bulk part of that type of job and I was like I I don't want to be like writing out graphs and stuff all day um so I realized produce was everything that interested me about those different types of jobs and um, even down to like the architecture, like how you build something, you know, Um, engineering, like I'm constantly thinking of different ways that I can work and be more efficient and, you know, engineer different ways of doing things. Um, It challenges me in all those different ways that, I feel like you can't really find in too many different jobs, you know, so many jobs, they specialize you in such a specific thing. And if you're really great at thing, that thing, and you really love that thing, that's awesome. But 
I've always needed variety in my life. I get bored very easily. <laughs> so produce was like the perfect outlet for me to, to just kind of set loose um, and have that variety on the day to day. So yeah, I, I would say it was a kind of a combination of things, you know, seeing someone that had that mentality and also just realizing these things over time of working in produce and how interesting it could be. Um, also like working with people that had done it their whole life and just been perfectly content doing that. I was like, wow, really you've done produce for 30, 40, 50 years and you never want to do anything else. Like, nope, never will. <laughs> wow. That's, that's incredible. Like, but the farther I get into my career, the, I guess the more realistic I see that, you know, like it really does hit so many notes for me and I see how that could for a lot of people. So I love produce. I've always told myself, as long as I'm working within this type of industry, I'll never do anything other than produce. You know, I would have to go back to school to be like a heart surgeon or something to not do produce. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Well, and you mentioned, Luke, that you were um, specialized in the wet rack. So that tells me that maybe merchandising came came pretty naturally to you earlier, early on, or you, you found that you had quite an affinity for it early on, because I know that's one of the uh, that's one of the more specialized parts of the department as far as merchandising. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, ironically, I was terrible at it at first. No. <laughs> Oh, I was so bad. Um, And I was just really lucky to have good manager at at that job that showed me how things were done. Um, Other coworkers, you know, that had been doing produce for years that, you know, would show me just specifics here and there. And then I would even watch other people doing it um, constantly. And early on in my career, that was that was the biggest thing that I I guess I kind of told myself for merchandising because I wasn't very good at it. Um, I thought I would be because like I loved building stuff as a kid, you know, Legos, tree forts, Lincoln Logs, whatever, always building something. But I just was not that great at hand stacking stuff in produce um, because of the abnormalities and everything. You know, Legos, it's just brick on brick you know it's pretty hard to mess up but there's a lot of finesse involved in produce and you know you need the specific apple even though the whole case is a 88 count you know there's those tiny little centimeter differences and you got to find the one that fits perfectly in that spot so I was just really lucky to have people around me you know at that job and other jobs that were really good at what they did and I would just watch all the time. And I would ask people, how did you do that? Um, I'd have them show me. And, but it was honestly just a lot of watching other people work and seeing how they did things. Um, and trial and error, a lot of trial and error. I constantly tell people, don't be afraid to try things out because you'll probably fail, but that's okay. Cause then you learn, okay, well that's the way I can't do it. And I'm, always trying to max out displays too. I've had a lot of them fall on me. <laughs> like 
some some of those uh, corn displays, you know, I'd go just a little too tall, and then they'd all start slipping out in the bottom, and then the whole thing would just collapse. <laughs> and that was heartbreaking. But I'd be like, all right, I know the limit now. Not going to do that again. So, you know, with, with merchandising specifically, I guess, like, the biggest thing that I would encourage people on is – push yourself, you know, test the limits. You're going to have some displays fail on you, but otherwise like you're not, you're not going to know what you're capable of unless you try and you can't be afraid to fail sometimes. So, you know, don't be insane and keep trying the same thing over and over and over again, but you know, learn your lessons, you know, pay attention to how you built that display, what didn't work you know, notice the point of failure. Okay, that corner was a little weak or my base, you know, wasn't out far enough. So it ended up getting a little too vertical and then it fell, whatever it is, but pay attention to all those things and you get better very quickly. You know, if you push things to failure all the time. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of nice here. Yeah, that makes sense. Tell me a little bit about what your your day to day looks like now as a as a merchandising supervisor. So, working within Woodman's Food Market is it's a very unique situation. Um, all of these produce companies, like our jobs, don't really exist anywhere else the way that they do within Woodman's. Like, imagine like. Uh, a Frito-Lay vendor or a bread vendor or something like that. That's what we are, except for for produce. So, you know, however frequently your company delivers, my company delivers daily. Our job is to work that load onto the floor. You know, we are a produce clerk for our stuff within that department. And... So, you know, there's the load that comes in every day. Obviously, your responsibility is working that all out onto the floor, um, building a display, however, stocking it wherever it is in the department, you know, just as you would as a produce clerk. Um, and then, again, just as you would as a clerk within a department, you know, you circle back to the displays you built in previous days, you clean them up, you condense them, whatever you need to do. And... Woodman's is all very warehouse style. You know, it's similar to like how Costco has it where it's, it's all in cardboard, you know, pallet drops or in bins. Um, but it's how you display things on top of the cases that make a big difference. You know, you're always going to have that cardboard element. So, you know, you don't have these nice wooden tables or anything like that, that you see in nicer stores. So, the main focus on how you make a display look good is how neatly the cases are stacked, um, how you're mounting the product, you know, like how I did that corn display that you remember, um, all neatly laid out. That's, that's where you, you make a big difference. So that's our main role. Um, we have someone in almost every different store, um, we sell everything from, you know, bananas to broccoli, fruit, you know, basically mostly conventional produce. We don't do a whole lot in um, 
organics or specialty, even though we do have those items. But um, yeah, the, those are kind of our main things. And then we're also absorbing uh, Fresh Express for those stores around the first of the year. So that'll be a part of our, our day to day. Um, and so my role is, you know, making sure that we have someone in every store hiring for that training for that setting the schedule. Um, I mean, basically, you know, what a produce manager's job would be, but I have people miles away from me. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to manage people that are, you know, 25 miles away, 60 miles away, 110 miles away, because their stores are all over uh, the Chicago area and all over Wisconsin. So it can be challenging for sure, because you're not always there in person to coach them. Um, and that's where I've learned that training them in the beginning and investing as much time as you can and just spewing out as much information as you can give them in the beginning makes such a big difference over time because you don't always know like the next time you'll be able to make it back um, to work with them. And there's a lot of stuff that you're able to, you know, tell them over the phone. Uh, we all take pictures of our displays, so I'll give them notes on those. Um, and but yeah, you, you know, you don't always have the opportunity to work with them. So I would say that's, that's the biggest difference for my job now. And the biggest challenge for sure is figuring out how to manage people from a distance um, and still leading them mm -hmm. like that, that has become definitely a challenge, but I like to think I've, I figured it out pretty well. I'm obviously, you know, always trying to, to improve and learn from other people. Um, so given the fact that you have some remote aspects to your job already, how did that, how did that change or not change during the pandemic? I'm curious if that was yeah. kind of business unusual in terms of communicating folks and, and managing folks, or if maybe you, you learned some different strategies or, or had to try different things kind of during that time frame. So it was basically business as usual. Um, especially given that we work within grocery stores, we were essential workers. Yeah. So we didn't have the luxury of, of time off, um, unless you tested positive positive. <laughs> yeah. and you were stuck at home Funny. for, yeah. <laughs> you know, however long they were deciding at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean the, the remoteness I guess didn't really change it a whole lot. Our office is in Missouri. Uh, so, you know, there's the, the line from them and then the line from me to our people. And that's always been there. So I guess it didn't change a whole lot in COVID, but definitely the big thing that changed was um, when someone got quarantined, it's like, all right, how are we going to cover that for the next week or two? Um, yeah. We'd have managers all the time that were asking for extra help because their store, you know, at any given time could have half of their staff out. Yeah. There was one period of time at the uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin store 
that they were down like 60% of their staff in the store. Their whole produce staff was out. Whoa. It was literally just me, a vendor for another company, and a full-time clerk that had never been in produce before. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so we had to like almost show him how how the department ran, like how he was supposed to do orders. Um, luckily, me and the other guy had both been produce managers before, so we knew the drill. Yeah. But it was crazy trying to figure out you know, okay, how are we going to stock this department with just the three of us? And they're doing, you know, I mean, that store specifically, they can do close to 100,000 in that department alone, you know, just in one day. Yeah. So that definitely made things more challenging. Um, Just people people leaving. Um, but I guess the, the main thing that changed was, yeah, like the constant cry for help for everyone, you know, I was constantly getting texts by all the produce managers. Like, can you spare any extra time this week? Are you going to, can you be here this day? You know, I'm going to have literally no one. It'll be just me. Sometimes I'd be able to, and other times I'd be like, (laughs) I'm getting the same story from 18 other stores, dude. Yeah. Oh goodness. So, so, um, and that, that is like kind of another big part of my job is trying to keep all of the different stores happy and trying to spread myself around as best as I can to, to make all of them feel like they're appreciated and, you know, like they're just as important as all the other managers. Um, cause every, everyone wants help first thing in the morning. Yep. You know, everyone wants you there every day, but you know, you can't be everywhere all at once. So that's where, especially with this job, like I always had the mentality, you have to trust your people. Without your people, you're nothing. But this job has really drilled that home into my head because some of these stores I'll only be able to go to a handful of times uh, in a year because they're hours away. Um, Others, you know, I'm able to visit a couple times a week, others once a week, anything in between. But you really have to trust your people. And that's where, you know, the training, the laying out the expectations comes into play. Um, but yeah, that that has definitely, during that time and my whole working career with Proffer, I've learned so heavily, like, you have to trust your people. And you have to choose people that, you know, that you'll be able to trust and that will be able to handle the job. And if you think they have the potential, you know, you better make sure you give them every tool possible to succeed. Cause if you don't, that's not their failure. That's your failure as a manager. Um, you know, and I hate to say it, I've, I've learned that the hard way so many times over the years, you know, just little failures here and there and like, I got to do better next time. Um, And I guess that's the main thing I've learned over the years. And that's what I love so much about produce is it gives you all of those different opportunities to, to constantly coach people and give this department that is just evolving year round. 
what do you look for in hiring folks? Um, honestly, like just someone with a good attitude that I, I used to look for people that had produce experience or at the very least some sort of relevant merchandising experience. You know, someone used to work for Coke or something like that. Um, or any sort of retail experience. Um, but as long as they're physically capable of, of the job outside of that, it's, it's literally just attitude. Um, I've learned that you can teach anyone the job that has the right attitude. It goes such a long way. And like one of the first guys that I hired, um, when I first got promoted, he knew absolutely nothing about produce. <laughs> like he, he hadn't seen half the things in that department ever before in his life. And, but he was excited about it. He was excited to learn. He, he wanted to learn. He like, he wanted to, to try all these different things. He's always asking me questions. Like, oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? And, it was honestly a lot of fun training him and working with him because he just had such a great attitude about it. And that always stuck with me realizing that like experience really doesn't matter that much, you know, attitude is everything and the willingness to learn, um, you know, not thinking they've already got everything figured out or whatever, because, you know, in any job, um, especially in this industry, you know, it's always changing. So yeah. you have to be willing to, to always learn. So yeah, I would, I would say like just willingness to learn attitude. Um, that's really it, honestly. Yeah. And it, do you find that it's easy to identify those as you interview folks or did that take some honing to figure out like, okay, these are the little triggers that tell me like, this is somebody who wants to work is excited about the work. Yeah, I would say that um, I've always felt like I've gotten a pretty good read on people, but definitely gotten better at it over the years. Um, and especially since this job, because I meet people from all these different areas, you know, and like every area has a slightly different feel to people's personalities. And um you know, for better or worse. But uh, yeah, I guess there are certain things I, I look for. Like there's certain questions I always ask in interview. One of them is um, tell me about a time that you had a really difficult customer and how you handled it. Okay. And if they, if the way they talk about it is less about um, them being annoyed with the customer and more about them troubleshooting trying to figure out like okay this customer's upset how can i fix it um if they answer it more that way you know that's something i look for um asking questions you know if i if i get to the end of the interview i'm like all right you have any questions for me and they're like nope like, all right <laughs> i don't either <laughs> you know uh we'll be in touch <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
but yeah, it's just, you know, people that, that seem interested in it, people that are asking questions. Um, they feel like they're comfortable around people. I usually do the interview right smack in the middle of the department for that oh, okay. exact reason. I want them to see how they can handle having a conversation with their coworker and having customers around. Cause that's a big part of our day. You know, there's nothing wrong with talking with your coworkers while you're working. You know, we're human beings. We need human interaction. A lot of that is talking with your coworkers. Um, but the ability to easily break a conversation with your coworker, answer a customer's question and, you know, just make sure they don't need anything else and then go back to your conversation, you know, without making them feel like, like, uh, excuse me, I'm talking here, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of gauge their reaction uh, because customers will get the sense that we might work there um, and they'll walk up to me while I'm during the interview. And lastly, you know, it's usually just where something is mm -hmm. um, and I'll point it out to them and uh, one of the guys that I knew I was going to hire right off the bat, I had walked the whole department with them. We got to the back and that's where I finished the interview and asked him some harder questions. And we had a customer that walked up to us and he's like, Hey, do you guys know where this is? And he was like, Oh yeah, it's right up, uh, you know, third aisle down on the left end. And he like, he beat me to answering it. And I was like, dang all right like he doesn't even he's not even getting paid right now he's literally just in an interview <laughs> and he's already like being helpful to customers and being willing to to answer their questions um and that that's one thing that like even though we're just vendors you know we're still in the eyes of the customers we're still people working in that department and a lot of people for other customer, customers, um, other companies, uh, and you know, just other vendors, they get so hung up on this idea that, well, I don't work for the store, so I don't have to help people. It's like, sure, but you should. You know, like, there, there's a right and wrong way to, to help your customer, which is the store, help their customers. Because without the customers in that store paying that store to pay you, you don't have a job. So ultimately, the customers are still the ones paying your bills, you know. And um, it's something I constantly tell myself, like, just act like you work in the store. And um, I don't know. You know, it, it's something that we all need to remind ourselves of all the time that, as annoying as some of them can be sometimes and as repetitive some of the questions are, you know, without customers, what are we even doing? You know? Yep. Otherwise, like we're just building a museum of fruit and vegetables to rot. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, and Luke, one other thing that I'll ask you is you mentioned, um, that for, for you as a manager, you really hold yourself to a high standard in terms of like, I got to make sure that I give my folks the tools to be successful because that's, you know, ultimately it's, it's on me how they do. How do you, yes. especially on kind of a remote basis, 
how do you give them those tools? Is it over the phone? Is it, I know you said sometimes it's in person, but a lot of the times it's not. Is it emails? Is it training videos? You know, how do you communicate that information and how do you kind of keep, keep in touch with everybody to, to make sure they've got what they need, if that makes sense? Yeah. So, um, I guess a big part of it is like that first week of training, um, you know, initially getting them set up with their store, their account, um, you know, with their group message and everything and just drilling into their head that, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions, whether that's to me or the produce manager, other people working in this department. Um, you know, I'm only a text or a phone call away, you know, after I'm gone and just really trying to get that into their head that like, okay, I can come to him with anything. Um, that's huge, you know, and even not in a job like mine, like just in a regular produce department, you know, making sure that when you have someone new that they feel comfortable to ask you anything, you know, there's the, the saying like, you know, no question is too stupid and people will still be like, yeah, but there are some stupid questions. Like, I don't think so. I think people either know or they don't. And there shouldn't be this gray area in between. People should feel like they can ask a question no matter what and like not feel stupid for asking it. Um, I see managers fail all the time for wondering why people are scared of them. And I wish I could tell them, I was like, well, it's because when they ask you a question, you make them feel stupid. You know, like you, you have to make sure that people don't feel stupid for asking a question. Like usually people want to do a good job and they want to make sure that they're doing things the way that you want them. And especially like our people and other companies, um, we realized, you know, we're there to service our customer, which is the manager and women's. And, you know, they want to make sure they're doing things the right way. So, um, you know, that I think that's a big thing is just making sure people know that they can ask you any question. Um, I even try to beat them to it. You know, I'll, I'll maybe not every day, but I'll, I'll text them um, or call them at least once a week minimum and I'll just make sure like, Hey, anything you need, um, you know, you have any time off you want to take, um, anything like that, you know, just kind of give them the opportunity to, to check in with me. And then, you know, I'll, I usually just kind of ask them like, yeah, what, what's going on in your life too. And, um, you got any plans for a holiday, what you do over the weekend? You know, you just, you have to get to know the people you work with too on a personal level because that's what builds the rapport with your people, what builds the trust with your people and like what gets them to be comfortable with coming to you with things. Um, because sometimes, you know, something to them is getting a day off. It might mean the world to them. You know, they have a kid's recital or whatever it is but they feel like, oh, but, and are they gonna be mad for me asking it off um, or something like that? So I've always tried to make sure people know that like, 
I can always ask for time off. Like we can move your schedule around, you know, we'll make it work. Um, because you know, we're, we're not slaves to this job. Like your life outside of work is more important. And that, I feel like that's what really builds retention is people that feel like they have the flexibility to have their job work around their life and not vice versa. Um, and that's one thing that I've always really loved about working for Proffer and the way that we try to have our, our schedule built and our program built is giving people flexibility, um, letting them know that like their family is more important and you know that we can be flexible and you know you don't have to just be like stuck to the schedule for the rest of your life and like that's it um you know just keeping the human factor in the way that you treat your employees i think is like it's huge for for keeping people and also you know with the remote factor like you're asking um I guess just for them feeling comfortable enough to to take control of situations and you have to um, empower them, you know? That's another big thing is just helping people feel empowered to make decisions on their own. Mm-hmm. Well, Luke, we could probably go further in depth and on all these different kind of topics <laughs> for a long time, but I know I've already kept you past the, the appointed time here. Anything else that? Oh, that's okay. We <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. Anything that we didn't hit on that you were like, "Oh my gosh, I want to talk about this more than anything else." Anything we're missing that you want to add before we wrap it up? Um. So I guess one thing you know with just working in any department is um, keeping an eye on everything. You know, after you're done with your cart, um, I always recommend walking your department with a cart too. Now you get done working a cart, do a walk of your department, straighten things up, you know, constantly. Uh, I had mentioned in that comment for that one guy, but also don't do it directly behind customers because that's going to make them really uncomfortable. Um, you know, walk your floor constantly, keep an eye on everything, make sure the front always looks the best. Make sure the front looks like no one has ever touched it all day. Um, because then the rest of your department can, I hate to say suffer, but in a pinch, the rest of your department can suffer a little bit as long as the front looks amazing all the time. Um, and, you know, just don't be afraid to, to talk to the customers in your department, get to know your regulars. You know, you notice someone's in there two Saturdays in a row. Maybe even mention that. Be like, hey, didn't I see you last weekend? Like, oh yeah, you know, I shop here all the time. Spark up conversation with people. Um, Ask questions, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Soak up as much knowledge as you can. Um, You know, people, I think are always surprised by my age and I always tell them, well, it's just because I've asked so many questions, you know, I, I, I like to think that I've asked a lifetime worth of questions in just a few amount of years. And that's what 
got me to be successful. It's just not being afraid to not know things. Um, not being afraid to look stupid sometimes, you know? Um, but yeah, I guess um, always keep your customers in mind. You know, I could drill that point home for hours and hours, but no matter what you're doing in your produce department, however you're approaching it, never forget why we're doing it. And especially during the holiday season, I think that's something that everyone needs to hear because it can get so crazy and hectic and we can all get burnt out. But don't forget those little interactions that you have can make a huge impact on someone's day, on the fact that, you know, they might or might not return. Um, and yeah, just always keep them in mind. Um, just be respectful to people. That's the main thing. Awesome. And, and Luke, since you mentioned your age, how long have you been in, in grocery and produce kind of, kind of overall at this point? Um, about 10 years. Okay. Um, I've been working ever since I was uh, 17. So, um, yeah, about 10 years overall. Uh, produce specifically, I think like six years now. Gotcha. Very cool. And I I, I don't want to ask you your age. Safe to say millennial-ish? Is, is that about right? Yeah. Oh, no, that's okay. Uh, I'm 26. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll be 27 in March. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I was just on the edge of millennials, 96. Oh um, my gosh. Oh, that's true. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just right on the on the cusp of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I guess I, you know, the, the one thing I, I've always tried to keep in mind for, you know, helping grow my knowledge and seem older than I am is, don't repeat the same mistakes. You know, I've always tried to learn from my mistakes. Um, and I've always asked a lot of questions. You know, there's a lot of people that you work with that you don't know can share knowledge with you. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to ask the people you work with questions. Also, don't be afraid to ask customers questions. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of knowledge out there. And I think that can be really hard to forget um, that people are a resource and you have all this information at your fingertips. And obviously the internet is a great tool and you should use it. Some people are anti-internet. I think you should use the internet to your fullest advantage because, you know, there's podcasts like this out there and so many great tools that you can use to gain information. But also don't forget the people that are around you every day. There's so much knowledge there literally right in front of you. Um, just have to ask. Absolutely. Well, and I, I'll add this real quick. I love your point about questions because there's, there's a certain humility that has to go with that to be willing to ask the questions, like you said, and kind of in an implicit admission that I don't know everything. I know, you know, a little more than I do about this and I'd really appreciate, you know, getting your, your insight on it. When I first started in uh, produce, I was on the the trade media side, and I think it was at least the first six months, maybe the first year, every single interview I went ahead and started with, just so you know, I'm new to produce, so if I ask something that, you know, seems silly, yeah. 
please forgive me. Feel free to correct me. And everybody was so generous and willing to share and, you know, happy to fill in context and say, oh yeah, this is the terminology for that. Or so if, if yeah. you're willing to put yourself out there and ask, generally it's a very, very generous response. At least that's what I've found. Yeah, absolutely. I, especially when I was younger, I was always scared because I, I felt like the reaction would be like, oh, like, what are you stupid? Like you should know or whatever, you know, and you'll still get that occasionally. But by and large, most people want to share their knowledge with you. And especially when you're humble about it. And especially like when you admit that you don't know things like you were saying, like, even when customers ask me questions, if I don't know, I'm honest with them. I'll be like, I don't know, but I'll find out for you. You know, I, I've always prided myself in that, that I, I might not always know, but I know how to find out. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to keep that with you. And, and, you know, there is like a humble way to ask those questions. Um, and I think if you preface it the right way, and most people, if you ask them the right way, they're going to be happy that you asked the question because like most people love sharing their knowledge with you. Um, so you kind of then give people an opportunity to open a line of communication between the two of you. And that can harbor like some really great working relationships that you might not have had before. And all you had to do is ask a question. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Luke, we will, we will wrap it up there. Like I said, we could go on and on, but you know, I know you got stuff to do (laughs) and and beautiful displays to build people to train all those good things, but thank you so much for taking the (laughs) time. This has been, been such a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You know, thank you for listening to my long winded answers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, thanks for you know, sharing your stories and um, giving me an opportunity to, to share, you know, what I've learned. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Luke. We'll thank our listeners as well. And we'll see everybody back next week on the Produce Retail Podcast. <laughs>